This episode is sponsored by Milk and Honey. Milk and Honey began as a luxury day spa in Austin, Texas, and has since grown to include eight locations across Texas and Los Angeles, California, as well as a line of bath, body, and skincare born from the spa. Milk and Honey sources and uses the safest possible ingredients in both their spa treatments and product lines, which means both choosing organic and making thoughtful, informed choices on safe ingredients. I recently went to their Brentwood location to treat myself to a spa day. In addition to having a wonderful and deeply therapeutic massage, I really appreciated how peaceful and relaxing the spa environment is. The lounge that is available for guests pre and post treatments felt like a little sanctuary and retreat away from the outside hustle and bustle of LA. We are so excited to now be able to offer our listeners a discount at all milk and honey spas, including both LA locations in Culver city and Brentwood. We are even more excited to partner with them to offer a spa package called the courageous wellness retreat, a 60 minute milk and honey signature massage, which is a Swedish massage tailored to your needs focusing on relaxation and stress relief combined with body brushing an exfoliating and detoxifying treatment that uses a natural bristle brush that you get to take home to stimulate your lymph and circulation while also reviving dull skin. And for all our listeners in any location, their online boutique offers products from the milk and honey line and from other top brands, including Osea Malibu, super goop, Virtue, Moon Juice, Kula Sun Care, and more. Courageous Wellness listeners can enjoy 20% off your next order at milkandhoney.com and 20% off your first spa service at any Milk and Honey location with code CW Podcast. Visit milkandhoneyspa.com to find a location near you. And if you want to try the Courageous Wellness Spa package at a special discounted rate, use the code Courageous Wellness Retreat to redeem. This is not able to be combined with any other discount or promotion. And you can find all this information in our show notes. Welcome to Courageous Wellness. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Allie French, and this is a podcast about individual journeys within wellness and how to navigate it all. After Allie experienced a cancer diagnosis in her 20s, and Erica went through a self-love journey, we created a platform to interview real people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices. From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are both certified integrative nutrition health coaches and together with our community are learning to live our most purposeful lives by sharing one courageous story at a time. It takes courage to share these journeys and by talking about them, we aim to destigmatize the process. We want you to be your own health advocate, feel educated and informed on the latest in health and wellness and empower you to feel your absolute best. And because we want to bring forth a wide variety of stories, the opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect our own, but we hope the diverse and varied stories will empower you to make the best choices for your own life. So join us as we and our community share our courageous wellness.
Hi, everyone. Welcome back to this week's episode of Courageous Wellness. We have a great conversation with Raquel Benita that I think everyone's going to really love. But before we get to that, we do our weekly updates um, each week. And I'm going to kick us off. My update this week is I have been catching up on a lot of content as I've recovered from being sick. And I'm loving the new season of Emily in Paris. Allie, are, have you been watching the new season? I haven't started it yet, no. Okay, well, you have to because it's – Um, I know people love to hate the show or they love to love it or they hate to hate it, but it's just such a beautiful show of like Paris and, you know, it's just a fun – Yes, it's very like it- – <laughs> It's just like all the like guilty pleasures kind of thing. Exactly. Exactly. And um, I don't know if anyone's into astro cartography or if you know what that is, but it's uh, the astrology of like the astrology of where the astrology of the world, the map where you can, you know, experience high highs, low lows. It's basically like an astro, it's astro cartography. It's exactly as it sounds, but, um, my Venus line runs through Paris. So basically your Venus line is where you'll feel the most beautiful. It's where you feel, um, lots of love and romance and magnetic from my understanding. And obviously I don't live in Paris, but when I took, I went to an event about astrocartography with the modern astrologer, Lauren O'Connell, who's been on our show. And, um, you know, she talked about if you can't live or go to the places where you have great lines, watch TV content, movies, music that like bring you to that place. And so I I think that might be why I love Emily in Paris Mm. so much too. But anyway, I know we were talking about this a little offline and we thought it would be good for the intro because I know a lot of our listeners are doing dry January and our episode with Dr. Brooke um, from December 28th about sober nutrition and sober curiosity has received such a great response. And I know, Ali, you're doing a dry January and I stopped drinking. Um, I stopped drinking for 12 months in 2021. And then I went back and I stopped drinking for anyone who hasn't listened to that update, but I'm, I'm off the booze. And it was interesting because as I'm watching Emily in Paris, I was just thinking so much. I was like, wow, alcohol has such great PR. PR. Yeah. Because every episode, it's like the drinking culture of it, right? The the glasses of wine, the going for drinks, the, you know, the the high vibe of drinking, which we know isn't truly the reality for a lot of people. And and it's just really interesting because I'm watching it and I'm like, wow, it makes me kind of like want to be in the South of France with a glass of wine and my girlfriends. And I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with that. If you, you know, enjoy drinking or have a good relationship with alcohol, but we also know, right, that alcohol is a neurotoxin, right? Alcohol isn't the healthiest thing for us. And I was, and I know, I think Dr. Brooke talked about this in the episode and people talk about it a lot, but, and I think Holly Whitaker and Quit Like a Woman talks about the marketing of alcohol towards women specifically. Specifically, Yeah. And it just made me think, I was like, no one, can you imagine watching a show where they were like, let's go have a cigarette outside or right? Like the the cigarette That's totally changed. I mean, that used to exist, but like 60 years ago in movies, like the Marble Roman too. And now it's like our culture has entirely changed around it because policy has also changed around cigarettes and people know like all the research over the years too. So it's interesting now that we're like broaching that with alcohol. 
Well, and it's interesting because I know Raquel is also from Canada. And I think the Canadian government actually at the end of last year came out with one of the strictest guidelines about drinking. They were basically like any more than two glasses a week is bad for your health, period. Right. Shows like, yeah, shows kind of detrimental effects to your health. And so it's like we know that like, again, like, you know, we're not demonize we don't like to yuck anyone's yums at all and and there's a lot of people who enjoy a drink here and there but yeah and I'm one of them yeah <laughs> yeah so it's but it is interesting and this has been on our radar for a few years do you remember when we went to this is the first time I think it really came to my attention but it was back in 2019 and Erica and I were in Philadelphia um on a work trip. And we also got to go to, it was the positivity charge at the time. And they threw a big event, um, tons of women. It was like, it was a really great big wellness event. Um, and there were some Q and a, there were some panels that you could go to. And this one woman stood up and she was in recovery and she was a young, I would say like a relatively young mom of like three little kids. I think she said she had, and she said, how difficult like the whole mommy juice rosé all day like walking into a target seeing like a huge thing of you know whatever say a rosé display marketed towards her basically towards like young moms middle-aged like really mom culture in general but also to young women in general and um and how difficult, like constantly being hit with those images it was for her um, because of her recovery process. But also now it's like, I think you've made a good point where it's like, it's everywhere. And even doing dry January, like alcohol does have good PR on a, like on a big scale. But also I noticed the other night I was at a restaurant and it's a it's a nice restaurant, a seafood focused restaurant, and there's a few of them in Southern California, and I love it. It's a wonderful restaurant, and the server comes up, and the first thing she says is like, "Cocktails, wine, da, 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 like no nothing that's not alcoholic is offered." Now I understand it. I used to serve like the first thing you want to do is try to sell the most expensive stuff on the menu. So like, <laughs> I totally get it, um, but I realized like. Oh, my husband and I are just doing dry January. Like, what if we were in recovery and constantly berated with like the advertising, both in your face from like the person you're standing next to, but then also through TV shows, through imagery, et cetera. And I think you also make a good point. Sorry. And this is my last kind of point to this, (laughs) but it's not just um, to folks who might also have like you know, addiction issues and like be in recovery. But for the rest of us who might not be as like aware of how much it's being sold to us too. Well, I think that's what's really interesting to me as well. And I really want to read Holly Whitaker's book, Quit Like a Woman. And I'd love to have her come on the show as well, because she really talks about, again, like the marketing of the alcohol industry towards women specifically and how it's harming women more than anybody else. And, and I think, I think that's exactly it where it's like, if you're going to drink, enjoy drinking. Like if you're going to, you know, it's like anything you do, enjoy what you do, 
But I think having the education, the understanding of what's being sold to you and how it's being sold to you, right? Like no one on Emily in Paris is actually drinking while they're filming the episode, right? And But they make it seem like it's this wonderful, glamorous thing. You know, they're not showing the hangover the next day or how hard it is maybe to roll out of bed to work or, you know, Ali and I are women in our 30s now. And, you know, gosh, when I was drinking, that was a big impetus too, is like it, it affects you differently as you get older. And so it's just it's just that understanding and that education like we always talk about even in our health coaching practice so that you can make the best choices for your life and yeah. not just be kind of going with the flow of what's being sold to you. I think that's really important. But yeah, it's really interesting. And anyway, so it was like, I, I, I'm enjoying the show, but as my education and my knowledge is growing in the sober curious community, I, yeah, I just was noticing it so much. I was like, wow, you know, this yeah. is, um, <laughs> fascinating, fascinating. And, um, but yeah, if you are watching Emily in Paris slide into my DMS or our DMS, cause I would love to talk about it with you. I think this was a really interesting season. Allie, you have to catch up and mm-hmm. I know you're ahead of me, but I'm also watching Wednesday on Netflix. Yeah, I, I finished it. I love it so much. I'm only three episodes in, but I'm savoring. It's really good. It's excellent if you're looking. I wish it had come out around Halloween because it would have been fun. I also think Wednesday and Enid would be a great Halloween friendship costume next year. Um, But anyway, so those are some updates for the week. (laughs) Um, And we, you know, we have a great episode coming up, but before we get to it, we just want to remind you that this episode is brought to you by Milk and Honey. And Milk and Honey offers our listeners a 20% discount um, for new customers at their spa locations all around the US. So we have them in Los Angeles, Chicago, um, around Texas, and now there's one in Miami as well. And for everyone else, including our Canadian listeners, uh, you can go to their online boutique and have access to all of the wonderful products. They have their own hyper clean products that we love to use. They also carry a um, different brands such as Osea Malibu, Super Goop, some of our favorites. So um, go over to milkandhoney.com. And again, if you're new to them, you can save 20% using code CWPODCAST. So with yeah. that, let's get to today's episode. So this week on the podcast, we sit down with Raquel Benita, digital creator, body acceptance advocate, freelance model, podcast host, and self-proclaimed curvy holistic nutritionist. After graduating with an honors of kinesiology degree, Raquel pursued her passion for health and nutrition by attending the Institute of Holistic Nutrition and graduated with the designation of certified nutritional practitioner. Through her personal and professional experiences, Raquel encourages positive body image and shares her knowledge with her community online. In this conversation, we discuss Raquel's own wellness journey and discuss her personal experience from disordered eating to body acceptance. If any of these topics don't feel aligned with your current wellness journey, please tune back next week. Raquel shares her wealth of wisdom and knowledge, and we really enjoyed this conversation today. Let us know what you think by tagging us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness. 
Before we get to today's episode, we want to tell you a little bit about the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. Erica and I are both certified integrative health coaches. I have advanced training in hormone health, and she has advanced training in gut health. And we offer health coaching and corporate coaching through the Courageous Wellness Collective. We continued our education and received certification through the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. IIN has taken the lead in the health coaching industry from its inception and provides a comprehensive curriculum that combines nutrition, coaching, and business. We loved the program and have had many listeners ask us about continuing their education in nutrition, health coaching, or even just advancing their personal knowledge about food and nutrition. So we are very excited to be able to offer a discount to Courageous Wellness listeners to study at IIN. The program is completely accessible virtually with lectures led by health, wellness, and medical industry experts. To receive up to $2,500 off your tuition, you can use our names, Allie French or Erica Stein, at the time of enrollment to receive the tuition discount. We have also included a link in the show notes that will take you directly to IIN to learn more about their wonderful programs. Welcome, Raquel. We are so excited to have this conversation with you. Um, I'm huge. I'm a huge fan of your content on Instagram and of you as a person. And so to get us started, can you share a little bit about your personal wellness journey and what that means to you? For sure. So thank you for having me. I'm so excited to chat today. Um, my wellness journey has felt like it's been forever. I'm 24 years old. So I feel like I'm, I'm very young to some people. When I tell them my age, they're like, what? Um, I'm like, do I have wrinkles already? Like, why, why do you think I'm so old? You know, but, um, my personal wellness journey. Yeah. It's been like for a while. Um, I've always been into exercise and self-care and like doing all that stuff. My mom and my dad always like instilled that in me and my siblings, but I really started to switch to more like mindful movement and like actually caring about my body more than just going to the gym to like burn calories and lose weight in the past few years. Um, COVID really like shifted my mindset when I realized that I was at home and I was like really struggling with my mental health. And I still had a platform on Instagram because I started it like six years ago, but I wasn't taking it seriously. And I was very fake on it as lots of people are on social and I was like hiding my body and, and doing things like sucking in. And that's why I started my morning segment, which I haven't done in a while, but it was like a constant thing during COVID, which was like angles to like show all the angles of my body. Um, and when I shifted to body acceptance or body positivity was first and then body acceptance, that's when I really was like, okay, this is for me and I'm glad people are watching, but ultimately this journey is for me and my mental health. And along with that came authenticity. And then people started to really start like biting and was, and were like messaging me being like, this is so amazing. Like, I'm glad you made the shift. So that's my journey. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that with us. And yes, it's, you know, it's interesting. I think a lot of people, it takes a long time to even get into sort of the the space that you're talking about as far as for, like for people's own personal journeys and this idea of body acceptance, um, especially when we have a lot of things that have been working against that for decades, really. And so um, as someone who is quite young still, like, was there something that 
changed for you where you were like, where you're like, okay, I'm going to transition from feeling like I need to present what you described as fake, like not maybe not the authentic version of who you are or, or what you were, you know, how you were feeling about your, yourself or your body, especially from like a a visual platform, which is what you were on, like social media. And how did that transition happen where you're like, I'm going to change this. I'm going to be authentic about this. And, and, and then of course people responded to that authenticity, but like, what was the catalyst for you to really transform that for yourself? So I never saw, or I never like was part of the body acceptance community as a consumer of social media. I was very much only seeing thin women going to the gym and thin women making their smoothies. And I always felt left out because I was like, I'm doing this too, but I look different. And obviously nothing is wrong with being thin. That was just like, I'm not thin. So I never felt like I saw representation and I obviously didn't have the algorithm to see those pages. When I started body acceptance, I started seeing more body acceptance, body positivity creators. And I was like, oh, there actually are people out there doing what I wanted to see for my whole life as a, as a young girl who was in a larger body, but I was never able to see that. Um, I, when I started my health journey, I would say um, I was in grade 12. So I was 16, I believe. And I developed an eating disorder out of that. And I realized, which brought me to body acceptance, I realized that weight loss doesn't equate happiness. And I know we always hear that, but it really is something that needs to be like reiterated over and over again, because you can say it out loud and you can try and believe it, but people still think that it will. And that's why a lot of people want to lose weight. Um, And so I'm trying to help people realize that it's okay to lose weight. I think there's a misconception with body acceptance that like you have to be okay with your body. You don't have to be okay with your body. You can want to lose weight or gain weight or gain muscle or whatever, but it's important to be happy with the person you are and then realize that you can change your physical body, but losing weight or doing whatever is not going to make you happy within. So that's what sort of motivated my journey. Yeah, no, I mean, I completely agree. And, you know, I can really to so much of your journey. And yes, I think so many people equate happiness to weight loss or happiness to a smaller body, um, and unlearning that. Right. And that was my whole, that's my wellness journey. It was a total self-love journey, um, in my largest body, right. My entire life transformed, but I think something else that took me so much longer to even learn. Like it was like, okay, weight loss and happiness, not the same, or the way my body looks does not equate my happiness. I think too, like learning that all bodies aren't supposed to be the same and not like, right. Like healthy comes in so many different sizes, but, um, which I knew, but also I think because of diet culture and the media and, um, the patriarchy. I think with all of this, it makes you think that like, there's this one idealized version of what, you know, blanket statement women are supposed to look like. And it's just not true, right? Like bodies come in all different sizes and their beautiful bodies are in all different sizes. And I think really like learning that has been so crucial to my own body acceptance and body positivity and body love. Um, 
Yeah. And, and I'm, I'd love to go back to your journey too. Cause I know you're so open on social media with, like you said, like you developed an eating disorder and you were trying, you know, to, to, I don't know if to not to put words in your mouth, but to like fit into this idealized body type that you thought would make you happy and then healing from that to get to the place you are today, which is, you know, a holistic nutritionist working in body acceptance. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about that kind of journey through that period, right? Because I'm sure a lot of women listening might be in that period right now. Um, and I just, how you were able to move through that. Yeah. So, um, like I mentioned when I was 16, I reached a very low point in my life and I was like, okay, I'm going, it was like the beginning of grade 12. So prom was coming up next as like my big event and then university. And I was like, okay, I cannot go to prom not looking like every other girl in my grade because larger girls don't look good in dresses and larger girls don't get prom dates. And I made this whole narrative in my head, which is not true at all. And so I started going to a nutritionist and all was good. I was very vulnerable. I was like, I will do anything to, to lose weight. And so I started and then the restriction started and going to the gym seven days a week started and cutting more out. And as the months went on and the pounds were melting off, I was like, I'm so happy. And I was not happy at all. And at the beginning, I was happy. I genuinely was because I was like, for the first time in my life, I have a grasp on, you know, what I think health is and I'm exercising and I'm fitting into clothing that I've never been able to wear. Like I used to be the the friend who would walk into the mall with my friends and like go to Aritzia and just stand there while my friends shopped because I was like, well, I don't fit into a size large at Aritzia and it sucked. And so now I, I finally fit into anything I ever wanted and it was amazing. And then prom came and I had a prom date and I had a prom dress and the compliments were pouring in. And the more compliments you get, the more your brain starts to make yourself believe that what you're doing is right. And so this is why I always say body checking and complimenting people on their weight loss is a terrible idea, even if you think it's a great one, because you don't know what that person's going through. And it might not be a healthy weight loss. So I went to university and like we all hype up university so much in our heads and, you know, we're going to move out of ha- out of the house and we're going to meet people and maybe have a relationship and go out all the time. But for me, I was in this disordered state and I didn't know it was an eating disorder at all. I thought it was very healthy. And I was like, my friends are crazy. They never go to the gym. They eat chicken fingers. They're so unhealthy. And I was just like eating almonds and celery being like, this is meant for me. And so I was in university and I moved away from home without my mom, without my comfort blankets. And so I, I started getting anxious and I wouldn't go out and I didn't do anything out of my routine. And I cried a lot. And I was like, maybe this is normal. Maybe I'm just homesick. Like, this is what people do when they go to university. And then it was like April of first year, which is like the wrap up of the first year. And I came home and I, I walked into my house and I saw my parents and I just started crying. And my mom was like, something's not right. I, I can tell. And she was like, we can transfer schools. Let's go to a therapist. Like she's very proactive. Um, and my dad's not so proactive, but I'm glad my mom is is like my best friend. Um, and so I went to therapy and obviously there's a narrative around therapy, which is that therapy therapy is like, you know, for weak people or for people who have mental health issues. And so I was like embarrassed to even start 
start even going. And again, that narrative's not true. I'm just saying things that like society paints as true. I'm the first person to say, go to therapy. Um, and so I started going to therapy and I went every single week that summer of first year and my life changed. She specialized in eating disorders. Um, and it was just slow, you know, like, let's try a bite of dark chocolate or let's try like one something that we don't normally have, or let's just take one extra rest day from the gym. And it was scary at first because I, my eating disorder was orthorexia. I never, I didn't even say that yet. Um, which is more so different than like bulimia or anorexia. It's more of an obsession with knowing exactly what you're eating, exactly what the ingredients are, staying quote unquote clean, um, and just having a lot of control over that. And so letting go of some of that control was hard, but ultimately it was so helpful. And I gained 10 pounds in that summer and that was scary too. But then I went back to university and it was like a whole new me. Um, and then that's when I realized that I was like, this is what people talk about when people say eating disorders. And I like, couldn't believe I had one and I couldn't believe I was going to therapy and like, I was this person and I was like, you know what, I'm going to use my platform for good and tell people that it's okay to go to therapy, no matter what their friends or family think. And it's okay to admit that you have an eating disorder, or even if you don't want to say it out loud, like know within yourself, you know? So that was amazing. And I, I hands down say therapy, like changed my life. And I love my therapist to this day. And that's, that was my eating disorder journey. Well, thank you for sharing that. I know, um, Sometimes talking about that stuff can be really vulnerable, but I appreciate it because I think that's what people really can relate to and respond to ultimately. Um, and, you know, we always talk about like when we talk about this kind of stuff, it destigmatizes the conversation. So it, it removes any, there, like there shouldn't be any shame around any of it because ultimately it's like such a form of self-care to recognize, you know that we need oftentimes need help or support in different ways. And that's great. That's like the healthiest thing we can do for ourselves. Um, and so anyway, it's, it's interesting to now hear you talk and ha you have this platform and you are in the space of holistic nutrition. So that's a big shift from someone having had that experience to now working um, with food and nutrition as a tool, um, and helping others with that tool too, in an empowering way. And so I'd love to learn a little bit about how you went into this space, uh, into the holistic nutrition space, um, and how, how you can, like, since you transformed this relationship from this orthorexic behavior to now like holistic nutrition, how do you use it? And how does food in a positive way fit into your life? Yeah. So I, a lot of people ask me that because it's, it's like, how are you not triggered every day by something that literally tore you down inside? And it's obviously tough. I always say that I don't know what it's like to have an addiction like drugs or alcohol, but I do know what it's like to have an eating disorder and not be able to cut something off cold turkey because that's the hardest part is like, regardless of how much you struggle with food, you have to fuel your body every day. You can't just not. So it's like, you're constantly shown your triggers and you're like, how do I navigate this? So 
it was actually the nutritionist that I went to when I was in grade 12 that inspired me to love nutrition. Um, I just loved the idea of counseling and helping people reach their goals and learn about health. And maybe her, her method wasn't the most favorable for me, but I knew that I could take what I know in nutrition and my journey of having that eating disorder and having that food fear experience and put it towards good and help people. So after university, I went to school. It was like a one year holistic nutrition program in Toronto. And that that school was triggering for me more so than thinking of seeing clients because they don't think, you know, maybe some of these students have struggled in the past. They just give it to you as this is what you're going to tell clients, or this is this fact about nutrition, or, you know, this has high sugar. And so like my old ways were sort of coming out. Um, and I obviously shut it down really quick because I was like, I'm not slipping, especially like I'm here to do school. I'm not here to be a client. So, um, that was tough, but I mean, nothing in life comes easy and nothing in life comes without challenges. And so, when I graduated, I started, I opened up my own like private, not, not a private clinic, but just like pe- I, I would allow people to come see me and it was very much body acceptance. Let's, you know, fix our relationship with food. Um, I really enjoy working with people who have binge eating um, tendencies. And so I started seeing clients and it was really great. And then I realized that people don't believe in this form of nutrition as much as they do in weight loss nutrition, meaning it's so tough to market. Let's heal your relationship with food. And it's really tough to see a metric there. And it might take a few more months than you hope, or a few more years than you hope versus let's put you on, you know, a 10 week program where I can show you a hundred percent that you're going to lose 10 pounds. So that I sort of had like a little internal freak out. And I was like, maybe my form of nutrition is not going to work out. Um, And so I actually work now as a holistic nutritionist at a weight loss clinic, which is very ironic. And I don't think a lot of people know that because I don't share it on social, not because I'm embarrassed, but because I just don't like to show, like tell people where I physically am every day. But also um, I want to like slowly talk about it, I guess, once the podcast comes out, people will know. Um, But that's why I always say there's no shame in weight loss. And I think having someone like me at a weight loss clinic is extremely beneficial because I can see clients who have those tendencies who think they're going to love themselves more when they lose weight, who think happiness equates weight loss or weight loss equates happiness, sorry. Um, And people who, who get triggered by that stuff. And I can really like, you know, gear their plan or gear the wording that's used for them um, in a, in a good way. So I actually really do love it. And it, it also has helped me and proved to me that weight loss is not like a negative or positive thing. It's just a neutral thing. Um, and some good can come out of it. (laughs) I think that that language of like a neutral thing is, is really interesting. And, um, you know, yeah, cause something I personally love about your content and your platform too, is, And I think we're very aligned in like a nutrition education, right? It's, you know, so I, I love that your platform is like, you have nutrition education and you use, you know, lower sugar, lower ingredient things, but then you'll also like go grab a diet Coke at McDonald's, you know what I mean? Or like a yummy Starbucks drink. And, you know, we're all about, 
you know, joy is an important nutrient as well. And, you know, I think it's very easy sometimes when you have a lot of nutrition education to teeter on orthorexia, right? Because you know what things are going to do to your body, but, um, that's also just like, what does that even mean? Right? Like what's just like one healthy meal doesn't make you unhealthy or many, you know, one unhealthy meal doesn't make you unhealthy, right? This balance is so important. And, but, um, something else, cause I'm so curious about this too. And what really helped me, um, or just has been my, in my own awakening as well, which again, I have a, I have a decade on you. I just turned 34. So, um, you know, my, um, my journey has been really interesting and, and kind of where it is now also in this post COVID post pandemic world. Um, we recently had, uh, Hillary and Dana of body trust, the center for body trust on, um, our podcast. And we released an episode, they released a book called reclaiming body trust. And it's a beautiful, beautiful book that I think should be like required reading for everybody about like really reclaiming body trust right in ourselves. And, um, you know, they said something so interesting in the episode, a couple things that have really stayed with me, which was, um, we prescribe in Allie, you can help me because I don't want to butcher it. It's so important. What did she say exactly? What we prescribe, we prescribe to, I think this is basically the gist of what she said. We like medically as a, and as a culture prescribe to fat bodies, what we diagnose as eating disorders and thin bodies. Mm -hmm. And she also said, so that really stayed with me. And she also said, um, too, she made a really good point that bodies aren't always supposed to see, we're not supposed to see the same, right? So your, your weight at 16 to 22 to 32 to 42, we're not supposed to be one size for our entire lives. And that, I know that sounds really simple, but it really spoke to me because, um, you know, I, I have gained a bit of weight, not I, I've gained weight after COVID and I have an injury that's preventing me, as I mentioned from exercising. Um, but I also have a 50 pound weight loss and self-love journey, right? So I have all of these different, um, versions of my body and versions of my body story. And there was so much freedom for me in just hearing and recognizing, right. I guess like this unlearning as young women who grew up in diet culture. And again, Allie and I are a little older than you, but I think the nineties and two thousands and, you know, I graduated high school in 2006 was a pretty, um, brutal time in diet culture, not since it's gotten better, but it was, you know, it was a brutal time to be, um, a larger bodied teenager for sure too. And so just like hearing her say that for me, giving me that permission of like, your body's not supposed to say the same. And so it brings me back to weight loss and weight gain. I do have a question here. I'm just kind of, um, setting up what's been percolating in my mind a little bit, because as you're mentioning, there's nothing fundamentally wrong with weight loss, right? Like who knows where our, if our bodies aren't supposed to say the same, that could be larger or smaller, right? Based on what's healthy for us in that moment, right? But I think that's what's so interesting a lot of the time is sometimes what is healthiest for us is weight gain or being in a larger body than maybe diet culture or we thought was supposed to be the body, like was the body we wanted based in unhealthy behavior or 
media depictions, diet culture, et cetera. And so as somebody who has that experience, right? Like you were in this smaller body, you've been in a larger body, you work with people who want to change their relationship with their body and maybe lose weight. I guess like, how do you work with people or coach people or any advice for our listeners who might be going through that weight gain is what's healthiest for me right now? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it feels impossible to allow yourself to gain weight. You feel like you're doing something wrong and like you're failing at something, but it's important to realize, like you mentioned throughout the episode, that every body is different. Everybody needs a certain amount of calories. If we're going to break it down to like the science, you have a set point where your body is happy. So not every single person's body is going to thrive at 150 pounds or 130 pounds or 200 pounds. It depends on the person. It depends on so many factors, which is, again, why everyone's body is different, whether you are active or whether you're sedentary, whether you eat, you know, healthier, nutritious food or you go to fast food drive through every day because that's what you do. So it really is dependent. And it's also important to think about your mental state. You know, if you weigh X amount and you're unhappy with it and you want to lose weight, you have to think about is this going to benefit my mental health or not? And maybe instead of reaching for that, you know, 30 pound weight loss, that seems so far away, aim for five pounds and see how that takes you. And if that's all you need, then that's all you need. Um, But again, like you asked about the weight gain, it is definitely a journey. And people always would joke about how like, it's so hard to lose weight. And it's so simple to gain weight, but it's equally for people living in smaller bodies who are trying to gain that weight, it's equally as tough for them. So I think it's like, back to the whole language aspect of of weight loss, weight gain, it's so important to like, be careful who you're talking to and who your audience is. And even if that's yourself talking to yourself in the mirror, like, just just go easy on yourself. And, and there's, there's also something important, which is like differentiating between um, a lot of people think that that body acceptance is like an excuse to, to just like let, let loose and be lazy and not do this and not do that. And like, I always try and, and like vouch for it because I'm like, listen, I am somebody who is in a larger body. Could I lose weight? A hundred percent. But I go to the gym all the time. I eat fairly healthy. I know what I'm putting in my body, but I will also eat fries. It's not an excuse to not do anything. It's a reason to allow yourself some, some leeway and some like love because you've gone through your entire life hating yourself, looking at yourself in the mirror every day. Like, I think it's a little bit healthier to be 20 pounds overweight than to have a negative mental state for your entire life with cortisol through the roof and just like, being, being negative all the time. I'll make that like a blanket statement, you know? We want to take a quick break from this episode to talk about today's sponsor, Ned. If you have listened to this podcast, then you know, I struggle with anxiety. When I first learned about CBD being a natural and powerful solution to anxiety, sleep disorders, muscle pain, headaches, and so much more, I became very passionate about finding the best source to put in my body. Enter Ned. Ned's full spectrum hemp oil is USDA certified organic extracted from USDA certified organic hemp plants grown by an independent farmer named Jonathan in Paonia, Colorado. And I use the products daily to support my anxiety. And it has been so helpful in everyday life. 
These products are science-backed, nature-based solutions that offer an alternative to prescription and over-the-counter drugs. Right now, we are both really enjoying Ned's brand new product, which has been in development for over a year, the De-Stress Blend. This one-to-one formula of CBD and CBG is made from the world's purest full-spectrum hemp. And check out these ingredients. CBG is known as the mother of all cannabinoids because of how effective it is at combating anxiety and stress by inhibiting the reuptake of GABA, the neurotransmitter responsible for stress regulation. And ashwagandha is an amazing Ayurvedic adaptogen that enhances your body's resilience to stress. And the delicious taste of this blend is thanks to the botanical infusion of cardamom and cinnamon. Cinnamon is a powerful prebiotic that supports your gut health, a key player in your mental health. And cardamom combats stress by helping reduce your blood pressure and cortisol levels. Ned's quality also really speaks for itself. Ned's products have over 1,500 five-star reviews, and they work with incredible partners within the medical fields like Dr. Caroline Leaf, Dr. Christian Gonzalez, and Dr. Will Cole, who has been a two-time guest on Courageous Wellness. If you'd like to give Ned a try, Courageous Wellness listeners get 15% off Ned products with code CWPODCAST. Visit helloned.com slash CWPODCAST to get access. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash CWPODCAST to get 15% off. Thank you, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering our listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health issues. A direct link can also be found in our show notes. We are so excited to offer our listeners a new discount to one of the best probiotic supplements on the market, Seed. If you are a regular listener of the podcast, then you know that Allie and I are both very serious when it comes to the importance of gut health and building a thriving microbiome. I personally have been using seed for close to a year now and have noticed a big difference in my digestion and bloating. I am devoted to taking seed every single morning before food, and I'm really excited to share their daily symbiotic with our audience. The formulation of the daily symbiotic combines a probiotic and prebiotic is vegan and gluten-free and includes 24 clinically studied naturally occurring strains, not found in yogurt or fermented foods and beverages, and lives up to the highest standards for human and planetary health. Yes. And in addition to being a really reliable probiotic and prebiotic supplement, seed is committed to creating science-based education for all those that partner with them through accountable advertising at Seed University. This is where we are all committed to not spreading misinformation about health on the internet. Pretty important, right? Also, I personally love their commitment to sustainability with a refill system and all recyclable or biodegradable packaging materials. Erica and I only advertise products that we use and feel are of benefit to us and by extension could be of value to our community as well. If you would like to order Seed Daily Symbiotics to incorporate into your own gut health routine, go to seed.com and use the code COURAGEOUS15 at checkout for 15% off or click on the link in our show notes. And that's some of the work even in um, what we were talking about with with reclaiming body trust and and they're influenced by the healthy at every size movement too, is this idea of like, think about how much mental energy 
has been spent on obsessing over this culturally. And if we stopped stressing about it, what sort of physical and mental health benefits that would lead to for us? Because as you mentioned, we know our hormones are so deeply connected to our stress levels. And also what kind of like, what else could we create? What kind of value can we create in this world if we weren't spending all this psychic energy on what the heck we looked like or what a number on it, like an arbitrary number on the scale said? Um, And what else could we do with our lives, you know, other than obsessing over this stuff, which we've been sort of like, it keeps people small. It keeps people like, I mean, I don't mean literally, I mean like playing small in their lives as far as like what they're able to contribute to this world. And so, um, that was part of that conversation that, and I have that with clients quite a bit too. There's like a grieving process when people come to terms with how much energy and mind space they have spent on this in their lives, especially women. I know, I know it affects men and people of different genders, but just um, culturally for for so long. Um, and I think once we build an awareness around that, there can be a lot of grief and frustration too. So that's something that needs to like also be processed um, when people are coming to terms with that fact. And yeah. And one thing I think you touch on too, is that like the mental health aspect of it all, like, you know, we're all here um work in holistic nutrition as coaches. And I find that like, it's wonderful to strive for health. Not that that's a destination, right? This is just a journey. Um, and I'm someone who's struggled with like medical health issues. Like when I was in my twenties, I had a cancer diagnosis. I've had terrible gut issues like SIBO that I had to heal from, um, you know, allergies from food, like things in that way. So it's, I'm, I'm the biggest um, proponent of, of striving towards health because of the way it makes you feel. And I guess I'm going to pose this to both of you guys. Like when did health have like this morality component to it? Like, oh, well they're healthy and they're not because I can say this and this. And it's like, who cares? Like, it's not like we see people with certain health issues and like all of a sudden blame them for like, oh, well, they got cancer. I guess they weren't taking care of themselves. Like, you know, it's, it's like, where does this sort of like in the wellness space, this morality come into like, well, you're healthier, you're not healthier, the judgment around that. Any thoughts? I'll go first. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's I think it's the craziest thing. It's sort of like climbing the social ladder. It's like who can prove that they like use the most supplements and and like do all the things and even if they don't even know what they're doing, which like the three of us can vouch for because a lot of people in the wellness industry have no idea what they're doing and they just hop on the next trend which I get it. And I used to be like that too, before I learned about everything. Um, which is why I'm, my like approach to holistic nutrition is very minimal. Like we do not need 4,000 supplements and ashwagandha and matcha and this and that we just need some whole foods. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, it's like a social ladder. Um, and if you don't fit into the box, then you 
are not part of the club. And honestly, I'm very, I'm very glad to not be part of the club because sometimes the club is not where it's at. And like, again, like health is not a social thing. It's like, you do what's good for your body. If protein powder works for you, you eat protein powder. If it doesn't, then don't. It's like the whole vegan versus carnivore fight. It's like, I'm a holistic nutritionist who is very pro animal protein. And then there's people who are not. And it's like, we don't need to all be in the exact same sphere of every single aspect of what's going on. Like what works for me doesn't work for you. And that's totally fine. But yeah, it's definitely, there's a lot of moral value put on if you can wear the size small leggings and I'm like, I'm just not for it. (laughs) Yeah, completely. And I think, um, Raquel, you mentioned this earlier about language, like really not complimenting like people on weight loss or like complimenting people in like the smaller bodies or when people have lost the weight. And I think it's so interesting because, um, I've listened to podcasts and I've talked to people where at like the height of their eating disorder, the height, when they were the most unhealthy they've ever been, they received the most compliments from people. And, um, that's a little bit of a mind fuck. I think for a lot of people who have had issues with their body. Right. And it's, it's, I think a great unlearn, right? Like it's a great unlearn of what, society has tried to do, I think, to keep women primarily small and focus, like how much more time would we have to focus on other things if we weren't focused on our bodies? And even myself, because, um, to your point, Raquel, like, I know I'm healthy. Do you know, like I'm, 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 I know I'm a healthy person and, um, actually a lot of my injuries and my chronic pain that I'm dealing with is a result of chronic stress because I'm right. So we're talking about stress here. Um, I have, as our listeners know, I, I caretake for, um, my, my father-in-law is, is very sick and my in-laws are dealing with, um, major health issues and the toll that that's taken on my body combined with two years of a pandemic and all of that put my body in chronic stress and it didn't, you know, like period. Right. And so again, um, it's just, I think these are interesting conversations to have and hopefully for our audience with us to, discuss with themselves and reflect on with themselves. Because again, like even the way we, we talk to ourselves and others, our use of language, um, focusing on our mental health. I'm so happy to see the way the industry is moving, um, to healthy and beautiful is more than just one body or one image or one look. And there are so many more people like you who are, um, holistic nutritionists and, um, even Peloton and fitness instructors in a wide variety of body sizes. And I think that's really important because I think if I had that as a young woman, um, I don't know, I think a lot of this stuff that I'm still working on, you know, I've worked on so much of it, but I think it's a, it's, I don't know if it's a, it's probably a lifelong thing. And I think Hillary and Dana, talked about that so well, right? Like it really is a journey and it's not a destination. And, um, hopefully though, for the next generation of women, for our, for the future daughters of our generations, I hope, and I'm hopeful it won't be this way. Cause I also think, right. Like you have to think of the culture our mothers grew up in. And if it's this hard for us, gosh, it must've been so hard for them. So, but I think these conversations are important because I think it can feel very lonely and isolating when you're in it. And like you said, and you have those Aritzia moments where you're with your friends and, you know, people, more people are talking about it now, but people did not talk about this when I was 
24 or even younger, right? So a lot has changed in the last decade too, which I find really, um, really promising truthfully. Yeah. 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 I know it is nice. I like, even when I would go to Ritzia, I would like fake it and <laughs> like, so like, like, yeah, it was like, just like a facade that you would put on, like go into the change room and come out and be like, Oh, nothing looks good, but like, nothing yeah. fit, you know? So well, yeah, I, yeah, no, I was going to say, I, I so agree. And so I wonder, cause it's just interesting as we're talking, cause I am fully aware. And I wonder, I just to pose this question to you and to any of our listeners, like I'm fully aware that happiness and body size have nothing to do with each other. Like, and I love myself. Like I can confidently say like, regardless of whatever is going on with my body image at the moment, like I I do really love myself, which is a nice feeling to have and something I was able to really gain through my experience in my twenties. So what do you think it is then? Right? Like just to ask each other this question too, it's like, I don't know if you feel that way or like, you know, I'm sure like you seem to really love yourself, but, um, what do you think it is then on those low body image days? Is it just the messaging we've received for so long? Is it just those like intrusive thoughts? I don't know. Right. Cause it's just an interesting, it's an interesting question and thought that I had as we were talking. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is an interesting question. And I ask myself all the time because I'm like, this is my full-time job. My full-time job is to teach myself or reteach myself how to love myself, how to be happy, how to not put value on my body or be sad when I look at my jeans. Like it's tough. And I think I'm, I'm very happy at the moment. I do love myself. I obviously have the days where I like wish I was a hundred pounds lighter and wish I could go back to my eating disorder days because I romanticize how terrible it was. Um, and I forget about the really, really sad times. I just remember being small and how much attention and compliments that brought on. But I also think a huge part of it is looking inward and looking back at your past and going through, like we, you mentioned the generations, like, I think we, we find it so hard to find body acceptance and self-love because we think it's like a personal journey that is like all on our shoulders to deal with but you have to look back at like your inner child trauma and like the generational shit that was passed down to you and has been going on for generations and generations and like realize that you weren't just born hating your body and you weren't just like a little girl in your room for the three of us or whatever um just like looking at yourself being like I hate myself it's like something brought that upon you and so it really does take like a lot of work it's not like an overnight journey like I didn't just decide during COVID I'm going to love myself and then I loved myself it's like it's I'm still working on it and I will be working on it until I until I die but it's like you can do things that are more than just telling yourself that I'm going to love myself and really putting in the work is so important and it's tough in the moment to like go back and and relive those things and then unlearn them. But it is so important because that's honestly the only way that you're going to do it. Thank you. You know, you saying that reminds me of a conversation we recently had with um, Danica Brysha, who I don't know if you know Danica and her work, but she's talking about she has something called the self-care society and she was talking about self-love 
and it, it's sort of just like what you said. It's not like you're going to like wake up one day and be like, I didn't love myself and now I do. But just as we show our love to others, oftentimes through different ways of caring, like I, I can say all day long, you know, to my husband, oh, I love you. But if I don't actually show him my love, there's something that's different. So even if we're not feeling our love to ourselves, we can take small steps to show care to ourselves. And through the practice of little steps of care or little steps of just, you know, I I don't know, one of my love languages is acts of service. So if I do a small act of service to myself, it's fundamentally the way I know I can cultivate loving myself. And we might not feel it all the time. And I think that's fine. That's where the neutrality comes in or the acceptance comes in. But in the, um, if we want to cultivate it, just like we want to cultivate love and other relationships in our life, we have to show that. And, um, I think just, you just speaking to that kind of reminded me of that where it's like, yeah, we can, you know, it's okay to not just like, it's not that destination. It's okay to not always feel it or be there, but it doesn't mean that we can't still take small steps to, um, show ourselves that we care, you know? Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you being so vulnerable and being so open because I think you help so many people. And as Erica said, you know, we are 10 plus, I'll give the, I'll be the plus, (laughs) um, years older. I think I have 12 and change on you, but I, if I had had, like, we love your work now. And if I had had your type of voice in the space now, granted, we didn't have social media in the same way, even 10 years ago, but, um, you know, in my early twenties or in our teens, um, it would have been a vastly different experience. So thank you for being one of those really important voices in our community now as, as holistic nutritionists, as professionals, but also, um, just like from someone who has a, a platform as well. I think, um, you know, the, the way you so openly talk about this stuff is really helpful to a lot of people. Thank you. Well, I mean, I, I'm the same. I'm, I always say, I wish I had that again, Instagram and TikTok weren't a thing when I was a kid, but, um, I wish that I had access to these things, or I wish I was reading books that, you know, had body representation or TV shows or anything like that, because I watch young girls and boys and everybody on like TikTok now, like the new little mermaid came out or something. And and she isn't, she doesn't have, she's not Caucasian. And so like all these little girls who are being represented are being recorded, watching it by their parents. And it's like, they get the brightest smile. And that's like an example of body acceptance too. It's not only about like weight or fat or whatever it's about like all parts of the body and so it's just nice to see that it's finally in 2022 finally being represented represented and there's just like more inclusion and regardless of the hate that people are going to give or regardless if people don't believe in the movement or whatever those people have those childhood wounds too so um I just I'm happy to see that yes 
I totally agree. I cried through all those like videos of the little girls <laughs> watching little new Ariel. Oh my gosh. It's so beautiful, but it's true. And it, you know what? Anybody who's triggered by it and we didn't even get into trolls and I'm sure you have to deal with that bullshit all the time, but anybody who's triggered by this stuff, like it's just a sign that like they're like, as you said, their own wounds are very deep around it. And hopefully somewhere in there, this will ultimately help them as well. Um, so as we start to wrap up, you know, we, we end with three wrap up questions. And so the first one I'm actually really curious about, um, what is your daily self-care look like? And do you have any non-negotiables in your day? Ooh, um, okay. Well, a huge part of my life is the gym. I, again, like finding a positive relationship with the gym. That's not about burning off food is huge for me. And I go, I do, um, like powerlifting, which is so satisfying and like gratifying to like lift more and gain muscle and not care about like getting jacked quote unquote, because like it's empowering. Um, so that's like a non-negotiable, even though I don't go every day, but it's, it's like a huge thing for my mental and physical health. Um, and doing something fun. I'm all about like your inner child. And if you couldn't tell, uh, <laughs> and so during COVID, my like whole thing was to learn how to do handstands or headstands. Cause I was never like a gymnastics kid. I can't even do a somersault if that's telling you anything about me. So I can do hands headstands now. And so like, I try and do one at least once a day and it's just like a fun thing because I feel like we don't do anything fun. Like we sit at our desks and do work all day and go to bed and make dinner. And I'm like, life is boring. So I need to bring in that inner child happiness. I love that so much. That's so awesome. Um, the next question we always ask is what does being courageous mean to you? Um, simply it just means doing something or doing things that make you happy, then you don't care about what other people think because it's for you. Yes. And, um, do you have any book recommendations or pieces of content that have really meant a lot to you over the course of your journey truly can be on anything? Um, when you told me that I had to give a book recommendation, I was like, I don't read. So this is going to be tough, <laughs> but I actually did read a book that I love. Um, it's called good food, bad diet. And it's just like a whole mindset shift about food and body image and stuff like that. Um, so that would be my book recommendation. Awesome. Thank you so much. And if anybody wants to follow you, find you, work with you, where can they do that? You can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Raquel Bonita. Um, and all my, like my email and all that stuff is there. So you can always reach out or DM me. I'm always open for questions or anything like that. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week. Subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness or get in touch via our website, www.courageouswellness.net, where you can also find additional info about our health coaching services, virtual group events, newsletter, and more. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica, and we're Courageous Wellness.